Live from Studio G at Goodman Law Group's headquarters, this is The Good Law Pod, a show that dives into your questions about all things HOA. Okay, well, welcome. Today, we're here with Maura Abernathy, who's with our law firm. She is fantastic, and I'm going to say the queen bee of document review, document projects, amendments to CCNRs at all. Maura, welcome today. Thank you, Clint. I'm so happy to be here doing this podcast with you. And actually, I really like this topic because it really has a broad applicability to many associations. At some point in time in every association's life, they're going to face an amendment project, whether it's just an amendment or whether it's completely amending and restating the document. So this is a really interesting topic to me. And yes, I do consider myself the queen of document (laughs) (laughs) projects. Well... For all of you listeners, Maura is from England, but she's got dual citizenship, so she bleeds both uh, red <laughs> and do. blue. What's what's red, white, and blue? Red, both white, sides. Blue, both sides. Yeah. You're right. Can't beat that. You know, you've been practicing since 2001. So, how many document projects do you think you've done over the years? I've done a lot. I've done a lot of document amendment projects. More than you can count. More than I can count. Some of them more than I could remember, but yes. <laughs> <laughs> but no, typically I do I do enjoy this type of project. Awesome. And you know, we we over the months and years get almost like a standard question that managers often wonder and ask repeatedly. So thank you very much. Basically wh- what you did is you gathered up all of the questions that the most popular questions we receive from managers and and board members, and we Absolutely. are going to talk about those today, right? Yeah, the questions, regardless of whether it's a condominium or a planned community, the questions are pretty consistent. Yeah, so whether you can should amend small pieces, large, the entire rewrite, exactly uh, when you should amend, how you should amend, whether you should amend to keep up with the changes in the law. Those are just kind of a summary of, of what we're going to get into today. That was exactly it. Okay, great. So let's just dive into it. First of all, um, some of our listeners that are not managed or don't have much experience need to know you know, what documents are and what we mean when we refer to documents. So can you just help clarify that for us? Absolutely. So almost all associations have uh, the same types of documents. Those are the Articles of Incorporation, which in Arizona you have to file with the Arizona Corporation Commission. Then you have your bylaws, which govern the the administration of the association. Then you get into the big guns, the the declaration, uh, which touch and concern the land, which is just a fancy way of saying, you know, what applies to all lots and all owners. And then you have your rules and regulations, which are typically... Um, you know, amended by the boards of directors. Sometimes there's owner approval needed, sometimes there's not. But I think for today, you and I were going to focus on changing declarations because it's the most complicated of all the, the, the documents in terms of amending. Sure. And I understand declarations also referred to as CCNRs, right? Yes. I actually use both interchangeably. Yeah. And then also in all the documents you talked about, normally the only one of those ones that's recorded with the county is the CCNR declaration. That's exactly right. And that's why they can touch and concern, right? Correct. Awesome. Okay. So let's start with the first big question of managers that we compiled. And that is, do you amend small pieces versus doing a full-blown amended and restated? And what are some of the factors that go into it? So if you wouldn't mind sharing with us your thoughts on whether to amend or not to amend 
the entire thing. You bet. And uh, we jokingly say to our managers and boards, it depends, you know, the question, <laughs> the, the response that they don't like the most. But it really does depend because each each association is different. The situations are different. You know, it's it's. I try to glean from the start what is it they actually need. And so I my process, I typically ask boards and managers the same question. I ask, what is in the governing documents that is causing causing governance problems? Or conversely, what is missing from the documents that is causing some governance issues? And sometimes the the answer is obvious. They want to prohibit leasing, and that has to be in the in, in the CCNRs. But other times, believe it or not, they're not really quite sure why they want to amend. If we can get to the the actual, if there's a governance issue, it's easy. Uh, sometimes it's just an amendment to get them across the, the threshold to, to do what it is they want to do that they currently can't do because something is missing from the documents. But other times, it's just a question of having really old documents, which, believe it or not, does not bother me. I really don't mind the old documents. But over time, especially in our condominiums, we see a lot of references to the horizontal property regime. And over time, as boards change and new people move in, no one even knows what that means anymore because they're all governed by the Arizona Condominium Act. So we try to eliminate unnecessary language or confusing language, ambiguous language. There's so many factors that go into this. So I just really start with, hey, listen, are you having a governance issue? Or is it a question of your documents are old, they're ambiguous, they're confusing? What is it that you want? So I, I try to always push the client to to tell us what it is they're looking for, then it makes our job easy. We can then advise whether to amend one or two provisions or to amend and restate the entire document. But again, even that depends whether to amend or restate. Again, will depend on how many amendments do you already have. You and I have seen one association that had one amendment that amended nine provisions you get a bunch of those, and over time, it becomes really hard to read those documents for the boards, for the managers, yeah. and even us as attorneys. Like Second Amendment, a year later, Third Amendment, and so on and so forth, until you get to 9, 10, 11. At some point, you just need to do an amended and restated just to clean everything up, put it under one house, and ground zero it again. Exactly. And it seems like the vast majority of the questions we get either concern leasing, like you mentioned, or a lot of our condos, especially nowadays, they're having problems with being able to keep up with inflation and increase the assessments to an amount just to keep up with their maintenance because they're getting older, so they need more money to maintain. And uh, some of the time, some of the language in these documents can get pretty restrictive, right? Very restrictive. Some of the some of the amounts are so low, there is just no way that any association can can, yeah. can truly abide by that anymore. Or the increases are tied to the famous CPI, the Consumer Price Index, which yeah. makes everyone, even us, groan. <laughs> so, so, you know... I think like 17 cents was the <laughs> maximum that one of our associations could raise recently. <laughs> we, Good luck. We, we, exactly. You so, got a million-dollar roof project coming up. 17 bucks or 17 cents per month is the most you can do. That's right. Squeeze so it out. If we see many provisions just like that, 
you got your, it's tied to CPI or the board is restricted in some other way. It's time to amend the entire document. That's really the only time I, I like to completely amend and restate is when it's just too hard to navigate the document anymore. And sometimes the older documents don't even have table of contents. And something as simple as including a table of contents can make a huge difference just in terms of ease of reading the entire document. Yeah, great, great point. You know, a lot of our managers oftentimes are follow up the very next question after what we just discussed, whether to amend or restate with, okay, what's the cost going to be? Here it is. <laughs> and that is obviously an it depends question, but ultimately, if you're only talking about one provision, like the board only wants to focus and zero in on leasing, prohibiting short-term leases, or the one provision that we just talked about, raising dues, getting rid of the CPI so that they can raise dues effectively. So you're only talking about one provision, the notice and the ballot or written consent. What does the cost come in normally for, for that? It's easy. It's so routine. It's anywhere from just our hourly rate, you know, $325, $350, up to $500. But really, for just that, it should not really exceed $500. The only times it does is when a client has a lot of, you know, back and forth changes. That's typically the only reason it would ever go above the 500 mark. Yeah, I agree with you on that. In fact, um, we talked a little bit about this, but we're developing a way to do the document amendment more automated so that we can even charge less. I think it was 350 total, including the notice ballot in the amendment, which would save the client even 20% more. That'd be great. Yeah, fantastic. The bigger question, uh. <laughs> though, comes from cost to restate. And I hate saying this, but it's kind of a moving target, right? It is. And this is what drives our clients nuts. It really, truly is a moving target because, again, who's involved? Let's, let's start with just that. Sometimes boards want us to come up with the language, just clean up the documents, remove all the references to declare and clean up the CPI provisions, that, that type of thing. Then it's easy for us. We just rely on our expertise and our experience. In the times when boards either they want the more hands-on uh, interaction with us or if they you know, appoint a committee, we often see document review committees, which are great, and we, we, we certainly like the input. And sometimes input is great in terms of hey, what are you trying to uh, review, revise, delete, add? Let us take a stab at it and you review it and see if it fits your needs. In the times when boards or committees can be a little more involved, there's a, there's a lot of questions. Um, sometimes they want us to create summaries, which I just wanted to touch on that really quick, Clint. I really wants to point out that that's usually a cost-saving um, application because the board thinks that that will somehow reduce the cost for us to just go ahead and summarize what the changes are. But that actually sometimes increases the cost, and we don't like summaries of things being changed. We like to point out to the membership what is being changed. So there's a lot of back and forth in terms of just questions about what we're proposing, some boards want to have different language. They don't want it to sound so legalese anymore. That's that's a change that's pretty common these days that I'm okay with. We're okay with it, but ultimately we always have to tell the time. client, look, when you when you throw out the legalese, the judges are used to seeing and they see 
plain term language if it's ever litigated it's open for interpretation now That's for it. the judge right because there's no case law that interprets terms uh, uh, other than legal terms. Common terms, exactly. Yeah, so it's scary a, to me. It's yeah, a, a fine bit. line. So sometimes we go back and forth just to come to some mutual agreement, you know, and lessening the, the legalese, but but keeping it in there for our purposes, for basically for, for our courts. Yeah, no, you mentioned a great point there, and that is, you know, you'd think common sense would tell you that if the board, the more involved the board is or a committee, a document rewrite committee, the more involved they are, you would think it'd be less cost for us and less cost to do it. But we've seen the majority of the time where when we get the questions back and engage in more dialogue and more back and forth, and oftentimes I, we see plain language used instead of legalese, and so we typically have to rewrite everything. So it's double work because we're not only checking the work, but we're rewriting the work and then sometimes triple the work because we're commenting back and forth about it. So... That can be the pitfall when you're talking about what seems to be a good answer that we reduce cost actually escalates the cost. That's actually right, Clinton. You just hit on a good point. Is it's these these hidden uh, increases in our time and effort that that you would think would actually go to reduce the cost. A classic example. We see this all the time. We have to start with a word document. We have to get that Word document one or two ways. Either we scan it and convert it into a Word document from from PDF version, or someone is literally typing word for word. If someone gives us a document, which happens routinely, again, to save costs, boards get frustrated because we literally have to go word for word, compare the document that was handed to us with the original document very time-consuming, and the problem is there's really no way of getting around that. Even when we convert these days, if we have a really old set of documents, the conversion is horrible, and we may as well have just started typing. The conversion is horrendous. It's it's symbols, squiggles. Yeah, when you're talking about conversion, just so the listeners are on the same page, we're talking about they send us old PDF versions of the CCNRs because there's no word version editable format. We try to convert it, which we have software to do, from PDF to Word documents so we can edit it and provide it and redline it. And that's and our base document. Because the software can't read old faded language or squigglies on the page, it just ends up being a disaster. Absolutely. It literally takes, I yeah. calculated it probably to have been just as easy and more time uh, yeah. just to, to do it. So I guess the, the moral of the story here is, ultimately, when you're dealing with a restatement project, contrary to popular belief, it actually takes less time for the attorneys just to take their own document and put it in from scratch and send over to the board and the committee or whoever our own document for them to then take and redline. Because now we've started on something that... We didn't have to double, triple, check, you know, convert it, reformat it. We just spit out the Word document. They then can redline, and that ultimately speeds things up and saves client money, right? It does, and it's just simply the best way to do it. I think the last project we had uh, where they provided an old PDF document, we converted it and then had to rewrite the whole thing. 
Uh, then there was like six or seven backs and forths. A lot of they wanted summaries. That came out to what again? Like eight or nine, ten thousand dollars. Yes. <clears throat> and again, it was crazy. Some of that cost. You know, some of the time could have been saved on the front end, but sometimes you 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 start along the journey the way the client wants you to start, yeah. and you already made, you know you're so far into it, you continue on that path. So part of the process is, frankly, if if we had simply started that whole process, we could have cut the cost for the client half, most e- easily half on that particular yeah. project. So it is. Part of this is we, we try to educate our clients at the beginning. Look, if you want us to take your PDF, fine, but it's going to increase the cost. And we try to explain that. And some boards don't mind. That's fine. They, they, they don't mind paying extra to do it that way because that's the way they want to do it. But ultimately, if they're cost conscious, the best way to do it is for us to spit out a document ourselves after we've consulted with a client for an hour or so to make sure we have an idea of what they're thinking. Exactly. And remember, we refined our process over time through all of these <laughs> trials and errors. So yeah. we, we've gotten a lot better at recognizing some of these potential uh, cost increase uh, sectors ourselves, which I think helps our clients too. So the average cost for our firm anyways uh, is about 500 bucks or so for a onesie twosie. And then for a restatement, if we start the process around five thousand, yes, you know, just like I mentioned with the amendment process for the onesie twosies, we're working on automating the full blown Monty, where you know they can get the whole document and for less than the five, even it'll be great. Yeah, it'll be fantastic. I think we'll even be able to cut that in half and still be able to offer the client the exact same document for about half, as and that's a great starting point. And then I think, you know, with that, more and more clients who are on sort of the edge, not quite sure whether they want to spend the, the time and the money, that will probably, you know, help them just fully amend and restate their documents. Sure. Why I not mean, at that point? When they compare a firm's quote for the same thing, roughly of, you know, probably a quarter of the price simply because we've automated the process, it's kind of a no-brainer to me. It is. No-brainer, you know, in terms of cost, certainly, but a no-brainer in terms of time commitment yeah. for us and them. All right. So moving forward, here's another big question slash comment we receive. Well, why don't we just do it ourselves? Do we really have to hire an attorney? Your yes. Th- th- we, we, that is one of the common questions. Again, a lot of boards like to involve the, the members and they, they form document committees and they do a great job. They go through paragraph by paragraph and see what they want to keep, delete, modify, etc. Again, the problem is we, we've seen this steady change in our clients. They want to eliminate a lot of the, the legalese. And for the non-attorneys out there, they don't really realize why some of the paragraphs have some of the, the, the legal verbiage. For our purposes, we like to see it in the down the road. In you know, if if some you know if there's an enforcement case or it goes to court, but for their purposes, they just want something that's easier to read for their members, and so we 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 get that quite a bit. They they don't want to pay us. I mean, that's the the bottom line. They don't want to pay us, but sometimes they do want us to sort of keep a watchful eye over the process. Hers a horror story. This is this is what happened, and it was a cost saving, you know, endeavor to 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 reduce the attorney's fees. 
the committee made all the changes. So the document that they had was a word document that contained all the changes. It was they they were already accepted. There was no way other than going back through and going word for word what had been changed. They wanted to have the members go onto the website, look at the old document or just review the document they had from the closing you know, yeah, right, who still has that box, but, <laughs> you know, and then just to to vote on the document that was presented, not favorable for many reasons. Yes, it may have been a cost-effective way of doing it for them in terms of legal fees, but it did ultimately end up to be quite a challenge for the community because the document committee ended up sort of disagreeing with the board and then the board ultimately brought us in but again we had a document that had all these changes and we had to go back and basically start from scratch so again this effort to not include the attorneys seems great from a cost perspective but sometimes penny wise pound foolish comes to, to comes to mind yeah great point um yeah I, i've seen that time and time again that that is a horror story and it just goes to the prior comment about you know you think it would you you would think that not involving the attorneys would save you money, but ultimately it does cost you more. Do it right the first time, exactly, and and you're good to go. You know um, that brings up another question. That is okay. So you've got the amendment project. Everything went through great. Now we're talking about grandfathering. First of all, what is grandfathering, and how can it apply in this context? And are people grandfathered? What does that even mean? What is that? What's the legal implication? Great. I'm glad we're, we're touching on that in this uh, podcast, Clint. Grandfathering, in essence, is boiled down to this notion that certain people are excluded from, you know, the the amendment. And and usually, how this comes up is it'll be a hot issue. And I pets jumps to mind because people have a lot of emotions surrounding pets. And if it's an if it's a complete amendment and restatement project and a board is trying to squeeze in a pet limitation for example they know the likelihood of not getting the whole entire amendment project approved by the members because members love their pets and they don't want the one pet limit so what boards will do to sort of you know get the favor of those owners and get the approval rates up is they will grandfather those owners in and so what we'll see, the language, you know, will say something like the existing owners are exempt from, from you know, this language. And it's just really a, a way to get the current members to buy in to, to the amendment, to keep them happy and get the approval how that often, they need. How often does it work? It's a great question, Clint. I'd say 50-50, but I've seen it work. So if you throw those grandfathering clauses in, again, you're just simply excluding a certain segment of the current owners from the amendment that you're about to impose. It then, the, if it, as long as it doesn't affect them, the the more likely yeah. to to um, to approve the entire document. So we see that for pets. We see that for short-term rentals. That's another, another big one. Hot item. We wouldn't see that for the assessment CPI no. piece. Everybody needs to pay their fair share. You exactly. Can't, can't grandfather all the current owners. Exactly. On that one. So those, to me, are like the two main ones we'd we'd see grandfathering on. That's the one I see the most, is leasing and pets. All right, well, we're out of time today, but 
I know there might be some more questions. I've got more questions for you. We'll just talk offline about them. But if any of our listeners have any questions, how can they reach you? Absolutely. Uh, two ways. Uh, call the, the office, the main line, which is 844-346-6352. Or my email. What's your extension? Uh, my extension is 403. My email is Maura, spelled M-A-U-R-A, at goodlaw, all one word, G-O-O-D-L-A-W, dot legal. Perfect. And I'm going to make a plug. We don't mind talking to our clients on this kind of stuff for free, you know, as long as they're not going to be taking an hour or something crazy. But exactly. And again, the questions are typically yeah. similar questions, and we know yeah. the, the responses that we need. Yeah, perfect. Well, thank you so much. It's been great. This is great, Clint. Thank you, listeners. Hope you can learn something. Bye-bye. That's a wrap.